Faith Fit Radio and the Diocese of Orlando presents School of Humanity with Jason and Rachel Bowman, a program that is seeking to lead young adults to Christ and to enkindle a deeper faith that is fully alive. Now, here are your hosts. Welcome back, podcast listeners, to the School of Humanity. We are Jason and Rachel Bowman, and we're happy to be back with you. Indeed. <laughs> Jason has a cold. My voice sounds, I don't know, is it more manly? <laughs> well, it doesn't sound like a robot like that one. It doesn't sound like Batman? No, you could say that. That would time. be awesome. Sound <laughs> <laughs> like Bat Dad on YouTube. No, no. <laughs> it's got to be the authentic Batman. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> like Bruce Wayne? Like Val Kilmer Batman? No, no. What about like um, Michael Keaton Batman? Mm, no. Adam West? This is impressive that I you know, know this. I know. Uh, Christian Bale? Yeah, I'll go for that one. Or Ben Affleck. I don't know. His his Batman voice was pretty awesome, but it was computer, so it wasn't like... It wasn't like... Who was more fit, Christian Bale or Ben Affleck? <clears throat> Christian Bale. Okay. All right. Continue. So this episode, <laughs> moving on, we want to discuss i'm going to use a very fancy word right now the no I'm not the <laughs> we want to dis- discuss what uh the importance of a truly catholic anthropology that's not so bad it's not so bad isn't there a store named Am- there is <laughs> There's a store <laughs> named Anthropology, isn't it? We're going to talk about how to make a franchise <laughs> for... <clears throat> no. Um, so Anthropology is the the theology of human nature. Because this is the school of humanity. And, uh, you know, it fits. It does, in fact. Um, no, but we want to talk about it because it is important for many reasons to have a... proper understanding of human nature um, because that's how we'll understand who we are in light of God. That's how we understand the importance of the incarnation, the importance of Mary's role um, as basically the first Christian um, and her perpetual yes to Christ um, and the person of the church. Um, And just all of our roles. Yeah, the whole world. Yeah, the whole world. Um, So there are many different ways. Well, we came up with three different ways that we can um, talk about um, man as the image and likeness of God. If we turn first to Genesis, we see where God made man in his image and likeness. And uh, if you look at Thomas Aquinas, of course, in his Summa, you see him talk about the fact that image and likeness refers to us having an intellect and a will. Uh, Those are what distinguish us from animals, in a sense, and what uh, we share with the angels, Um, So, which is kind of beautiful. So we have an intellect. um, We can have rational thought. We can create things. We can have abstract thought. We can make connections between truths and um, ultimately 
we seek the truth, which is God himself. And we have a will, so we're not robots. We can um, choose him. Uh, we can choose between good and evil, in a sense, and uh, make rational choices. Um, and we know that God gave us these faculties so that we might know him and we might love him. The, another way that we could talk about manage it as the image and likeness of God is to specifically talk about Christ Jesus the Lord, the second person of the Blessed Trinity, who became incarnate and is now the human nature par, ox, par excellence, if you will. You know, he is the the human being whom we all strive to be like. Uh, he lived out his humanity perfectly free um, as a male. Right. And the same is true of um, the Blessed Virgin Mary as a female, being uh, the Immaculate Conception. Um, but in particular, Christ, you know, being uh, what the Lord had in mind from all eternity, and so we all strive to be like him. So, again, we could talk about the incarnation for a long time and, and the repercussions of that and what that does in terms of the dignity of who we are as human persons, the fact that God himself is now introduced human nature into the Godhead, into the relationship, um, that eternal liturgy between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Well, I mean, both of those things, the creation story of how we just talked about the fact that we were made in the image and likeness of God, but also um, what you just said about, you know, God entering into human nature mm -hmm. definitely speaks to the fact that human nature is innately good. Oh, yeah. Right. And, uh, you know, what is that thing that, for our young adult group that meets... Um, we have a kind of an unspoken rule that you are not allowed to say, well, I'm all, you know, if you do something bad, it's, it's a mis it's, it's a mistake to say, you know, I'm only human. Right. You know, it's just part of their human nature. Right. When in all actuality, your human nature is not bad. No. Your human nature actually seeks everything that is good. Right. Like if you look at a child who is not lost <coughs> their innocence, they've not lost the, the basis of their human nature, they always seek goodness. Yeah. You know? Right. Um, Sin is anti-human. It's right. unnatural uh, for the human person to not choose God in any right. way. Right. So it's definitely, definitely speaks a lot to human nature, and we won't go into depth about that, but that, that is something that, that the school definitely, that's the school of humanity is based on, is the fact that, Human nature is good, right? And actually, that's the th that ties in well with the third, third way that we were talking about um, uh, that you can say that man is made in the image and likeness of God, uh, Rachel. And that is that. Well, we took we take a look at who God is within Himself, and we see, um, as Augustine laid out for us really well, that you have from all eternity. Um, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit being one essence, but three distinct persons for the sake of communion, where the Father uh, pours himself out eternally 
for the Son, and the Son receives that love, pours himself out eternally back to the Father. And what is birthed from that uh, is the Holy Spirit, who is who is the love between the Father and the Son. So the characteristics of God's love, uh, and we see this in the Incarnation too, is God's love is altruistic and canonic. And what we mean by that, or what is meant by that, is when we say altruism, we mean a total self-giving, self-emptying for the sake of the other, the same, or you can complete say, gift, right? Complete right. gift. Always thinking of the other, not turned in on yourself selfishly, not re- not expecting anything in return, right? And canonic kind of denotes that it's to the point of pouring yourself out, um, and you see that in the incarnation. You see that in all that Christ did um, throughout his life and his ministry, and and especially realized on the cross for us where he gave his entire self. And when you look at this, um, we can mirror man and his relationship to woman and vice versa being an image of the Trinity uh, in the sense that you know marriage is meant to be a relationship where the man pours himself out totally in an altruistic and canonic way for his wife, for his spouse, and the spouse receives that love and returns it in the same way. And what is birthed, you know, is life, just like the Holy Spirit in the Trinity. Right. We have new life in, in all of our children that have been born. And so in this way, mankind also <coughs> is Imago Dei, right. uh, the image and likeness of God, which is so beautiful. It is so beautiful. They they say that um, there's the story that uh, St. Augustine, you know, with his son, would bow before his crib, would genuflect before him. And so uh, when the son was older, he asked him, you know, why, why did you do that all that time? And he's like, because you are the image of God. Yes. Which is so beautiful. Right. It was after um, he had been baptized. Yes, after he had been baptized, that he had become the image of God, you know, that he had become a tabernacle of the Holy Spirit. Um, and so it's such a beautiful thing um, for him to to acknowledge that, and that that's definitely what occurs with our children and what occurs when our baptism, um, that the image of God is fully realized, you know, with the descent of the Holy Spirit during baptism and in our, in our uh, union with the church. Right. So to delve a little bit deeper into this, you know, we when we look at how God, how Christ had behaved, if we look at his actions, we look at these beautiful truths that we know uh, in our faith, we have to understand that the way of God is the way, you know. it, it is. We look to him to understand ourselves. Right. Um, so if we see that God himself is always outpour is always loving the other unselfishly. Right. That is the standard of what love truly is. And as it says in what I think it's Gaudium et Spes, right? Gaudium et Spes, paragraph twenty four. Yeah, where it says, um, will you quote it? 
that man is the only creature who, in by giving of himself, total totally giving of himself, will then discover himself. Right. That's so, not a verbatim quote, but yeah. Right. So even in in the Trinity, you can see the Father is only the Father in relation to the Son. Right. And the Son is the Son in relation to the Father. So even their identities are are intrinsically linked in this altruistic mm-hmm. relationship. And so human humans by nature um, uh, share in the same way. I am only fully realized when I am giving of myself completely for those around me. Right. Um, it's true. I mean, if you meet someone, which I'm sure you could all think of someone, but if you think of someone that you th- you feel like is is pretty selfish, you know, like they they very rarely, or even in times in your life, like in times in my life when I know that I've not thought of others, that um, you know that they're just not happy, you right, know, right? They they lack joy, um, and they don't even fully know themselves. Um, they also lack usually will lack communion with other people, um, but. A person that is truly a gift to everyone they meet. You know, think of someone right. that is truly a gift to everyone they meet. Usually that person is filled with joy. Usually that person is um, in constant communion. So you see them with people most of the time. You see them... Uh, right. And, and, you know, no man is an island. They have that something that everybody wants. Why is that person so happy? Right. Yeah. Be, and it's because we're not happy when we're always focused on ourselves. Right. And and that is a trap that we all fall into because I mean, this this it, makes this makes me think of that that Prickly Pants book. Sorry, Mr. Prickle Pants. Okay. I said it wrong. I think I talked Did about it another podcast, but that Gabriel was oh, reading the yes, book yeah, Mr. Prickle right. Pants and yeah. and his soul felt more prickly the more he would not be around anyone else. Right, and so the more he would isolate himself, the pricklier he felt. And so, and I remember reading, thinking, "Well, this is very theological." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it's true, you know. The the longer, the more you spend, even when the kids, our kids fight, you know, um, our kids fight everybody. <laughs> but when they they get annoyed with one another, you know, Gabriel will say, "Well, I'm not going to play anymore." And I remember asking him once, when you don't play with them, like when you isolate yourself, when you put yourself alone away from them, does it make you happier or does it make you more sad? And he is like, it makes me more sad. Right. And I remember telling him that's because the Lord intended you for you to be with other people. Right. And so... So if you don't stay turned in on yourself, but you're always looking to lift up those around you. Right. You know, you will find that that's your more natural state. That is that is how your human nature was designed. So what we're hoping to do by spelling all this out is to really paint a picture of you of of human nature as it truly is, you know, right. and, and as the image and likeness of God. And humanity as it's supposed to be. Right. You know, you always say um you always see all these these things on Facebook. Uh, you know this this helped to restore my faith in humanity. And any time that we say that, we're we're usually speaking of some sort of story that is hopeful, and some sort of story that is someone right. giving of themselves. It is. It is. Every time, it's never anything like right. 
you know, someone being selfish or someone doing something for their own vainglory, but it's usually something because someone has has given of themselves in a way that you just don't expect these days. But that is what Christ intended for humanity, to be in perfect communion with one another, and in that communion is giving of themselves. Right. And we recognize it, don't we? I mean, our hearts just know it. It's a very interesting observation that, you know, someone can encounter another person giving of themselves, you know, uh, take, for example, Mother Teresa, and have their faith restored in humanity, they, that's just something that we know intrinsically because we are intrinsically good. Right. You know, um, how can God make something other than a masterpiece? Right. And God, who is goodness himself, cannot make something that is not anything but good. And, and as we've said before in other podcasts, Evil is not something. It is the absence of good, right. or it is the perversion of good. So right. there, you think uh, you of know, even there is it, no like one side you have evil and one side you have good, and these these two equal forces fighting each other. No, right. the evil is not something. It is the the lack of something. Even Lucifer himself, yes. in his human in his uh, angelic nature, is always good by nature. Right. He is good by nature. Um, he has perverted it. And there's uh, now an absence of good. Right. And now his will, because of the a perversion, you know, his will is fixed in evil. Um, but he, you know, he is not evil by design, um, nor can he totally destroy all that is good by given to him by nature. Yeah, I'm trying to think. There's definitely somewhere in Scripture... Um, it might be in the Psalms, but where they speak of the fact that uh, Lucifer's body was covered in jewels, you know, right, right, um, and so it was covered from head to toe in the most sacred jewels. And you know, when you have um, a jewel and you hold it up to the sunlight, or you hold it up to a light, it's beautiful and it glistens, mm-hmm. it's gorgeous. But if you take light away, right, from a jewel, it's nothing but a rock, right. Yeah. And I mean, that is definitely what has occurred with the evil one is that he is beautiful in the sight of God, but without him and in darkness, that that beauty has been distorted, you know? Right. And that definitely occurs with us as well. You know, if we, if we keep ourselves in the light of Christ, we are, we are covered in, in beauty, you know, that is reflected in his image, um, but we choose whether or not we reflect that. We would choose. We choose whether or not we stay in that same light. So add to to add to that. You know, even um, even when we do something bad, it is because we think it will make us happy. It's because in the end we we're seeking goodness. So who is that? Aquinas. Yeah, Aquinas was very much, uh, in a sense. People would say he was optimistic, but I would say he had a real grip on the truth. Um, instead of, you know, because when you read like the Desert Fathers, they're very good at calling out our different passions of the soul, the different um, disordered uh, passions we had, and, and how to um, tame those, if you will, by denying yourself and things, which is all true and good. Um, right. But it was kind of cast in this light of being like, well, it's because we're 
we have this really fallen nature and, and that we always tend towards the bad. But that's not exactly the proper hermeneutic. I think Thomas Aquinas did a great thing by saying, no, you know, our, we are all actually just seeking the good, but we're doing it the wrong way. Right. Uh, in a in a perverted way, if you will. So even when um, a child uh, who lies, yeah, a child who lies, um, he broke a vase. Mom comes home. He has a choice. He can either tell the truth or he can lie about it. Um, if he lies about it, it's not because he has a hatred for the truth. It's because he thinks the good that comes from the lie outweighs uh, the truth, which is you know, not good. But in the end, you know, it's that innate goodness in himself wanting the best that um, right. that is still operating, <clears throat> but just the wrong way. Right. So even when you sin, it would be a good spiritual practice to recognize what that the although, goodness was right, and what you desired Exactly. There. So even if you fall into the temptation to uh, watch porn and masturbate or something like right. that, you can recognize, well, that's because I have a longing for communion, right. and that's true, right? You know, and, and that is good, and that and, and that is a good thing, and so it needs to be redirected. So you don't have to, you know, go into this ultimate despair where you think that you are this despicable person, and that uh, you know you are not. Uh, right. In fact, your good, your goodness uh, is not, you know, as as. Um, Pope Saint uh, John Paul II said, "Our, our, um, or maybe it was Benedict. He said that we're not, we are not the sum of our failures. Another, yeah. In other words, we are not. Our worth is not what we do. Um, right. It is the sum of the love of the Father for us, which is infinite, by the way. So, <clears throat> you cannot put a price on your own worth. It is by virtue of the fact." that it's created by God, it is infinitely worth uh, wild. And <clears throat> we need to try to start to move past um, the initial rejection or insult we have um, at, at this. We have this kind of repugnance to think about ourselves as as good. Um, we, we almost feel like we have to earn it. Um, right. And so a big part of our spiritual life will be to come, you know, people talk about when they have these conversion experiences, when they realize how much God loves them. And once they realize that and they realize their own worth, then from there they can do things in light of that to give God glory with freedom. You know, they're not doing all these pious things in order to, you know, uh, justify themselves in their own worth or to obtain salvation or whatever it is. So we really need to move past that initial rejection of that truth and sort of rest or give into um, the reality of God's great love for us and his humility because that is who he is in his nature. Uh, we have a God who... Um, loves to be dependent upon us, um, a God who shows us uh, his true nature, which is this selfless outpouring for others, who became the lowest to show us the true power and glory of, of God. Um, 
And it wasn't reluctantly that he did that, but it was an expression of himself um, because there's no separation between who God is and what he does. Um, I mean, he made himself truly dependent upon Mary and Joseph. Right. He made himself an infant, utterly helpless. And that is the way of God. He did not do it reluctantly. He wants us to share uh, in salvation history. He, you know, he it's not a God is there and we are here. It's a communion, you know. And he draws us into the very life of the Trinity. Um, the Desert Fathers used to say, God became man so that man could become God, you know, which is a beautiful, right. beautiful notion. Um, another, another beautiful saying is that the, pre- um, the preferred language mm. of God since the, incar- since the incarnation has become the flesh. Right. Um, it's incredible to think about that. I mean, we can't ponder that enough that one of the persons of the Trinity has now become human and will always be. Right. A uh, human, one of us. Uh, yeah, we were talking last night about how if you are, you are trying to woo someone or even just to become someone's friend, you know, you'll you'll look at them and you'll say, well, they they really like football. I, I want to learn about football. So you'll go and learn football. You know, you'll learn the rules. You'll learn stuff about the teams that they like. Um, if someone speaks a different language than you are, you're, you you may want to learn a little bit of their language just so you can communicate better with them. And it would occur in the same way that God looks upon us and loves us so much. I want to feel the world the way that they feel it. So I will come to them in their very human nature, not only just to communicate with them, but to also show them that who they are is good. Because, you know, we had lost it. Uh, there's this beautiful writing by St. Athanasius um, on the incarnation of God, and he says in there that, you know, that God created all of nature, the moon and the stars and the trees, to show us that he loves us. And um, that eventually we would still forget, that we would look out at nature and just see a tree and not see a gift from God. So the best way for a painter to show what he has created in its fullness is to then show the, the original art of the canvas. So like if you go into a, a museum and a painting that has been there for a long time might have become marred, it might have have soil on it or dust from over time, but the original artist will come in and if they sit for the painting again, it can all be restored. And that is exactly what God does with us that we are the painting that may have become marred by sin. We may have become marred by our own, um, our own recognizance to not listen to the fact that we are all-encompassing of self-worth. But the original masterpiece, which is Christ, which is God, that we are made in his likeness and image, comes before us to help to restore us to the fullness of our humanity, which was created to be just like him. Yeah, uh, I mean, there's two ways that you can 
view the incarnation. One is you could view it from the standpoint of, you know, Jesus came uh, almost reluctantly to, quote, save us from our sinfulness, you know, to, to uh, justify us. Um, and so what we do if we, if we come to that conclusion is we make sin the motivating factor for God rather right. than love. We also, you know, intrinsic is that, is the notion that man is not good, you know. Um, we are totally depraved um, and that we become, by, you know, sheer grace, you know, we become covered by God's sins. Or by, I'm sorry, by God, um, we become co covered with God's grace and our sinfulness still remains. Or we can view it as God became man because he wanted to, because he willed to, because he could not stand to be separate from the creation which uh, he made. And he loves right. us so much that it truly was from a standpoint of love and a desire for communion to bring us into that communion he knew uh, with the Father so that as they are one, we can become one with them. And this is the true, this is the true motivation. This is the true motivation behind the incarnation, you know. Uh, so that's really, wouldn't you say, kind of the heart of what we wanted to draw out tonight. And I think by God's grace, we did an okay job of that. Yes, um, So that it will be a proper viewpoint for all of you who are listening and can hear this right. from now on. You and know. every one of these points too can be expounded upon, you know, so, um, and as our time comes to an end, just remember that we have our, our email that you guys can shoot an email over and give us your thoughts on everything that you've heard here. Um, or on the previous podcast, maybe there's something you wanted us to expound upon or you had comments, um, or just want to tell us where you're from, schoolofhumanityfl at gmail.com. And uh, we love you guys so much. We do. And you are so good. And that God prefers you. God, God bless. bless. Faith Fit Radio and the Diocese of Orlando presented School of Humanity with Jason and Rachel Bullman. Thank you for listening. Check out the podcast at faithfitradio.org and tune in next time. May you be blessed with peace and joy.